Hello, welcome to another episode of Recovered AF Podcast. I am a co-host. My name is Aaron. Kyle is another co-host. He's going to give a disclaimer to straighten you people out. Yeah, hey, what's going on? Um, As always, we just do a quick disclaimer. Um, On this podcast, we tend to talk about 12-step recovery and recovery in general from drugs and alcohol. Uh, We just want to make sure we make it clear we're not affiliated with any of those 12-step groups. Those groups don't have spokespeople or representative. Um, Those groups do their own thing. Anything that you hear on our podcast is basically just Aaron's experience, my experience, or if we have a guest like today, his his or hers experience. And um, that doesn't mean that we are representing 12-step groups or that what we say is the only way to do things. I think... Most of the people that have been on this are very open-minded and encourage all forms of recovery, and and we are big proponents of that. So with that said, I'm going to let Aaron introduce our guest. He has been on before, so go ahead, Aaron. Okay, yeah, I'll introduce our guest. This might be sort of a long introduction, um, but uh, so we're we're welcoming Dr. Brett back to the podcast, and I just was going to set this up. The last time, the first time, we'd never met before, uh, the first time that you were on the podcast, and you were... Uh, getting ready, you were training for uh, for the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. And so for those people that um, are unfamiliar with what that is, it's a tri- triathlon and the Ironman distance includes uh, a 2.4-mile swim uh, in, in open water, which as a swimmer, I learned is much different than swimming in a pool, by the way. <laughs> I learned that one the hard way, added a little distance to my swim. But, uh, and then that's followed by, as soon as you get done with that 2.4 mile swim, hop on a bike and go ahead and run 112 miles, ride, ride 112 miles. And I was thinking about that yesterday. That's probably like riding from Cheyenne to probably, I don't know, Littleton, at least downtown, maybe the south end of Denver. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good, <laughs> that's a pretty good ride. Yeah. And, uh, and then after you're done with all of that and you spent five or six hours on a bike, go ahead and jump off that and run a full marathon, which is 26.2 uh, miles. And so the first time uh, we had you on, I think it was towards the end of summer, there was a big rainstorm that day. I remember while we were recording mm-hmm. and you had done a, a pretty long ride or an indoor ride maybe that day or on the trainer. But uh, so uh, so tell us how that went. How how was the uh, how was the Ironman World Champions? And, and the one you did, too, there's there's Ironman regionals all over the all over the country and all over the world but that particular event is the world championships in hawaii so that's incredible yeah that's pretty awesome how how was it how'd it go hey guys uh thanks for having me back yeah um it was great um i can't remember did had i already done an iron man when we interviewed yeah you'd you'd done one Mm -hmm. and then um okay I was training for my second one. Okay. Yes, that's just, right. Yeah, I wanted to get caught up with my my own thoughts with it. But, you know, I did it in 2018 as a fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And um, it was to honor my mom who died of leukemia the year before. And it was a, an amazing, amazing day. And I was done doing the Ironmans. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah. I, it was I only wanted to do one. And, but you know us, us addicts, you know, if it feels good, we want to do more. Yeah, so, okay. uh, I, I had signed up to do a half Ironman in Hawaii just because I wanted to go back. And some of my friends that did the race with me were also planning to go back. And in March, I, um, we, we had a big snowstorm in Denver and, um, 
we were, I was supposed to fly to Chicago and for a big meeting and, but the meeting was canceled because I couldn't get out of, out of Denver. Um, but that day I was, uh, actually the meeting went on, but it was done virtually kind of like what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Everything's virtual. Um, and I got an email saying that I got into the Ironman again, the <laughs> Ironman world championships. And I just absolutely went nuts. I was screaming on the, on my little, you know, zoom call. And all of a sudden they got canceled. I got, I got kicked off the call. And I was like, I didn't care. I was running around the house. Yeah, I got in again. And I, apparently I got in a lottery through that, um, that race in Hawaii that my friends and I were going to do 10 people randomly got chosen to do the full Ironman again. And so I went through this whole, um, you know, thought process in my mind should i go back should i not you know i had a great day in 2018 why do i want to mess with a good thing what if i don't finish it's a lot to train um and so i you know decided it's you know once in a lifetime twice i've tried to do it again and uh, (laughs) (laughs) i decided to go for it and um honestly it was it was unreal um i took it to another level. I didn't finish as fast as I did the first year, but um, I'll tell you, I had a much better understanding of myself and a much better time on, on the journey. You know, the training was, was very uh, time consuming and, but it was, it was so much fun to train. And when I got to Hawaii, I took my middle daughter, Sydney, and, and her best friend, Nyla. And so the three of us had a, a week-long vacation there. Um, we got an Airbnb, and we um, you know, were right on the ocean. And But when I got there, I was a little spun out, I'll be honest with you. Um, and there was a, a an AA group that was literally a quarter mile away from my house that was uh, – um, it met every morning at seven. And so I went to that meeting every day. I meditated as the sun came up every day mm. just to get in a, a good headspace. Yeah. And so many people from that meeting were volunteering at the race. And mm. so I got to see, you know, program people all throughout the day and just remind me of, uh, reminded me of, of, you know, this program is everywhere and it's given me everything. Look, I'll tell you a really cool story. Um, so, this year, the race was done in waves, where the previous year, all the men went off to swim together. It was a you know, big cannon, and everyone just goes, right? This year, it was done by age groups for the first time, and there was a lot of controversy in the, in the triathlon world about that. But my, because I was a lottery winner, I was put in the last wave with the, uh, the charity uh, runners and the legacy runners. So if you did 12 Ironman, you qualified for a legacy mm. spot in the Ironman World Championships. That's a way to get in as well. Yeah. Um, just do 12, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right, just do 12. I only wanted to do one. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in, where we go into this corral, and I'm kind of rushing to get everything ready. And, um, and then I go and find where I'm supposed to stand. Um, and we have to wait in line for literally an hour for all the waves to go. We're in the final, final wave. And um, I met some people there. You know, we're in line together. We're all nervous. We're all just got this nervous energy. We're walking around and trying to, you know, just relax. And I was, you know, just close my eyes for a minute just to kind of get my head straight. And um, this guy looked at me and he saw my my number he's like are you in this the kukui wave i'm like yeah that which is the legacy wave i'm like yeah he's like are we supposed to be here i'm like i think so but we'll figure it out eventually we know we're last so (laughs) 
So this guy, you know, so it doesn't matter. Everyone's going before us. Um, but this, so this guy is, uh, you know, had done 30 some Ironman. He looked fit as, as, I mean, uber fit. Everyone looks, it's intimidating, you know, how, right. how fit everybody looks. And, um, and he was looking at me and tell, asking me what my times are going to be. And I mean, he was so much faster in everything that he has done. And, um, which was pretty cool, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll see you here, but I won't see you again for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're getting closer and closer to um, in the corral to our time. And I eat a power bar about 10, 15 minutes before we're supposed to start. Cause I wanted to be on the nutrition, but I had no fluids with me. I had no water. I had no drink, energy drink. And um, so I take my, my energy bar, my, my power bar, and he looks at me, he's like, here, do you want something to drink? You want some of this? And I'm like, sure, is it vodka? And he laughs at me. He's like, oh, no, I, I haven't drank in vodka in 20-some years. Uh, I'm like, oh, really? Tell me about that. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm in uh, long-term recovery. I'm like, so am I. That's awesome. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and he was there. Um, he's from Ohio, and he did this um, – I don't know, 15 years ago, 18 years ago, he started a, a recovery movement called Racing for Recovery. And he wrote a book of the same title. And I read that book. Oh, wow. And he was telling me about his, and I read it when it first came out yeah. because I didn't know there was anyone else out there like me who was in recovery and also like to do these crazy, stupid races. Um, and, you know, it turns out, you know, I read that book when it came out and I told him that he's like, you did not. I'm like, yeah. And he was there to do a documentary about racing for recovery. And he had a film crew there and they were um, filming him and um, he wrote a bunch of stuff about it. Uh, it's really cool. So we got a couple of pictures taken from his film crew before the race started. And, um, and throughout the day, he and I kept passing each other, um, you know, and supporting each other. Yeah. And it was just like another God moment of, wow. uh, of recovery. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, so, incredible. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's so cool. yeah, that's amazing. Ten minutes before we got in the water, we figured it out. We had been mm -hmm. together for about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then also we had so much to ask each other, but we've never got a chance to. So yeah. um, but we still were in contact uh, via uh, social media and I, I watch um, his posts about racing recovery. It's really neat mm -hmm. what nice. he's doing to a lot of people. Now um what what's it like to train th that long? for that many different events. Cause like I've been doing a lot of running recently and that eats up a substantial amount of my time, just training running. What is it like? How do you find time to bicycle, to swim? Do you have a set schedule? Do you do off of how you feel? Like you were talking about this morning before we started, you know, you weren't feeling got a little hip problem. So you decided to cycle this morning instead. Like how do you base your exercise training for three different, events and do you you know and you said you're running a marathon tomorrow you know it's like how do you how do you balance all of that what do you do to um train for large events like a like an iron man or just i mean do you train year-round like what's all of that like for you so you know people ask me how long did i train for this iron man and my my standard answer now is i've trained my whole life for yeah. this iron man yeah. um, you know it's uh, <laughs> it's not just the physical training but the mental training and all the experiences that got me thus far on um, when i did those two iron man 
races, I had a coach and, um, we living in Denver, we've got some of the, the finest athletes in the world that live close by. And, uh, I used to coach triathlon and the guy I used to coach with Charlie is, um, you know, one of the world's best triathletes in his age group. And so I asked him to coach me and he, um, you know, put together schedules for me. Um, and you know, every day there was something, you know, and someday those were rest days and those are really important too. But, um, I was probably doing three or four double, um, probably three double workouts a day, um, where I would do something early in the morning and then something after work. And then the weekends would be, you know, long, events like I would go on a, an 80 mile bike ride or a 20 mile run or a combination thereof. I would swim for two miles and then ride 80 miles, you know, brick workouts kind of mm-hmm. things. Um, so there was, uh, because he is, uh, you know, just like I had to put my faith of my recovery in, a, in, in asking a sponsor to help me get better. I put my faith in a coach to help me get through these major events in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends for 20 years. Um, and he knows me, knows everything about me and he knows how I can be pushed and what my, uh, triggers are to, if I, if I'm going too far, you know, as so he knows to tether it based on how I'm feeling. And, um, and it's, it's just a real gift of, uh, you know, just living life to its fullest. And, um, and, you know, I, He's, he's, he, he's the kind of guy that wins things and I've not really won much yeah. in my, in my life. And it was me as more for just seeing how far I can push myself. It's me versus me, me versus the clock, me versus the conditions. Mm-hmm. And, um, so in this year, the first year I did it, the conditions were just very, very, um, mild, you know, it was hot, but there wasn't a lot of wind. There wasn't a lot of waves, um, this year it was really harsh. Mm. Uh, we had, I had probably 30 mile an hour winds for the first half of the bike ride and it just sucked the life out of me. Um, yeah, I lost my, I, I have to wear glasses now at my age being, being an old guy like me, <laughs> can't see that much anymore. So, and I lost my prescription sunglasses, you know, a couple of weeks before the race and I didn't replace them. Um, and I just, so I couldn't see my, my bike computer or my watch and to tell how fast I was going and how much I was pushing. And I told my coach that, and he said, you know what? You train with data, you race with your heart. Mm. And I, that's something that really resonated with me. And, you know, and, and having my watch, uh, not, not being able to see where I was and how much uh, time uh, had elapsed um, was a little scary at first. And when I was on the bike, I was like, well, it's going to be a long day based on this wind. I'm barely moving, got in my head about, um, you know, I'm going to be chasing cutoffs in the, in the run, you know, I got to be, you know, a certain, certain mileage on the run or they, they pull you off the course. And I'm just like, man, this is going to be a tough day. Even thought about quitting a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but when I got off the bike, I asked someone what time it was. And I realized that I was exactly the same time that I was the previous year <laughs> um, under harsh conditions. Yeah. And I took a little nap in the transition area for about 15 minutes and went out, uh, and, and started walking the marathon. I had like nine hours to do the marathon. And I'm like, I can walk this. So, 
yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I wanted to ask you about that mental game, but first, you know, like, um, I just was going to say in regards to that day, I remember that we did a podcast that day with Courtney and they had this cool feature oh, yeah. where you can track, uh, you can track the participants. Oh, yeah. And I remember we got down to her house. She lived in between here and you. And, uh, and, uh, and I was tracking you on my phone and I think you started around 10 o'clock our time. And, um, and so I was looking in periodically throughout the day, seeing how you were doing, seeing when you finished, seeing we started the marathon. And at some point it got pretty late here. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to stay up here and, and see how Dr. Brett finishes, but I'm so tired. I need to go to bed. And it occurred to me how long you had been exercising that day. Cause in my mind, I daydream about being able to complete an Ironman someday. Mm-hmm. And then when I couldn't even sit through one, while you were actually uh, exercising through one, I was like, Oh boy. This seems like a daunting task. (laughs) I just, uh, it gave me a new respect for actually the length of time required to be in motion Mm -hmm. when you did that. So anyway, that's a cool tracking feature. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think actually you texted me a couple of times that week. I remember now. Yeah. And I sent you pictures from my meeting about where, you know, they gave you a little, gave me a little chip with uh, the, the responsibility code and, um, you know, in a hotline phone number, and you asked if you can repost uh, the original uh, interview that we had. I was like, absolutely, go for it. You yeah. know, I appreciate you guys. And I feel the the prayers and the, the, the energies from everybody who was watching me. And, and I mean, that's what kept me going. Mm-hmm. You guys, yeah. you have no idea what it meant to me knowing that the world is watching. All my friends near and far are, are with me in spirit. Um, it's just another gift of, you know, recognizing that as another gift of, of recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in the Ironman world, there's a saying called, and if anything is possible, because so many people have overcome so much, I'm just an average guy compared to some of the stories that, um, people, um, come to the, the starting line with. And, but, you know, just like in recovery, if, you know, whatever we focus on grows, and, you know, there's no reason I should be alive today based on the, uh, the, the drinking and drugging and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the behaviors that I exhibited back in the day. Um, and I made a conscious choice when I got sober that I'm going to live my best life possible every single day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say, don't don't look too far in the future if you're in recovery. But, yeah, you got a plan. Right. But I broke it up into moment, moment by moment, day by day, you know, uh, hour by hour day by day, week by week, month by month. And before you know it, um, I'm at the starting line. And then before you know it, I'm at the finish line. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about the mental aspect to it. Cause you talked about, you know, having some doubt during the race that day and psyching yourself out a little bit with the conditions and then, you know, wanting to quit. And Kyle and I were talking before the podcast, um, he went on a seven mile run today and wanted to quit a couple of times yeah. and that's, you know, on a seven mile run. And, and, um, you know, when I, and I swam in high school and I taught, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but when I decided I was going to do that, um, sprint triathlon and I had to swim again, I sat, I sat in the parking lot, uh, like for 10 minutes, absolutely gripped in fear before I went inside and actually, you know, jumped back in the pool. Um, and so like I have yet to experience my body 
you know, breaking down. I mean, I'm sore a lot and my knees hurt and I need to be careful about what I'm doing. Um, but I haven't exercised a lot in, a, in the past three weeks and it's been not because my phys- I've been physically unable. It's, you know, I've experienced some, some, you know, just depression and doubt and, and, and I, I don't know, like what my, my question is, what do you do when you experience those mental setbacks or that brain saying we should quit or we don't need to get up and train today or, um, you know, nobody's watching, you know, what's the purpose of this? Like where, what do you do when you experience that throughout your, your training? Cause I, it, it has to come. I mean, I, I trained for a sprint triathlon and I was like, I don't want to go. I, all I got to do is go ride 20 miles today. And I don't want to, I don't want to do it. My ass isn't feeling great and I don't want to get on the bike. So how do you deal with those things? Um, so that's a good question. And I've got a lot of different answers based on the day, but you know, <laughs> first of all, I, I know that I never regretted doing a workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true <laughs> I that. always feel better after. Yeah. Um, it, it is a game. It, it's, it, that you know when you you line up to the starting line of the ironman um it's not a physical exercise anymore because you're trained as much as you're going to be trained it's all a brain game from here on out and so training um is is the big part of that and i it's learning how to suffer and to get through the suffering um, and, and accepting that at some point in any race or any event we do, there's going to be suffering. Any goal we put forward, we're, we're trying to stretch ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's going to be self-doubt. And we're, uh, I guess we're, we're blazing new roads that we've never been on before. So, of course, our ego is going to say, hey, you don't really need to do that. You're fine where you are. Um, or it'll, it'll come out as fear. What if I don't finish? What are people going to say about me? I'm a loser, you know, whatever, you know? And, um, but you know, in my heart, I, I had been there so many times over the course of my life and struggling. And I have faith that whatever is supposed to happen is supposed to happen. And I, I train in my training. I make mistakes in practice in races before this leading up to this, I make mistakes and that all goes into my toolbox of things. Hey, I don't want to do that again. Uh, so I better, you know, account for this. So I don't make that same mistake. So when the real shit hits the fan during the race of the unexpected, it's just another, um, you know, adversity that we have to overcome. Um, so, you know, there's this, you know, this little, you know, comfort zone. And when we're in our comfort zone, all is good. Um, but when we step out of our comfort zone, this fear comes, but it's also, it's, it's exciting. And I like to see what I can do to push my body. I'm 52 years old and I'm in the best shape of my life. And I always want to be going on that uphill slope. I don't want to go over the hill when it's time for me to be over the hill. I just want to fizzle, you know, and like, like a, like a firecracker. I don't want a long decline of, of my physical uh, body, you know? Um, so I, I, I want to be able to experience every day to its fullest. So I mix it up. Um, you know, I run, I try and run in the morning when the sun is coming up. I think from a 
recovery standpoint, I used to be so afraid of the times when the sun was coming up. Mm-hmm. When I heard those birds chirping, <laughs> I was still on a cocaine run, and yeah. it was the scariest fucking time in the world oh, for me, you know? Icky. And now I, I appreciate it, and I, I look forward to that happening, and I hear those birds chirping, and I recognize, hey, I got another bonus day on this world, and let's see how we can, you know, make the best of it. Um and, and, but there are days when, you know, and during the training cycles where I'm getting up at four 30 in the morning to prepare some food before I go swimming at, at five, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, why am I doing this? And once I get to the pool, I'm like, I'm standing there by the edge of the pool. I'm like, what the heck am I thinking? Why am I here? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden all these other people come and they're filling up the pool lanes. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and then before you know it, I'm like, damn, this is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a matter of not listening to, to the negativity in my brain, um, or acknowledging that there is negativity in my brain and laughing at that ego portion of my brain mm-hmm. and say, no, nope, not today. I'm going to, um, I've got bigger goals than listening to, and then letting you try and ruin them for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I push on, um, and so I try and mix things up, you know, so it's, it's, you know, not the same thing every day. Um, it's not the same course every day. Um, you know, and I, I try and do my morning ritual for my recovery. And so I'm always starting out a run or a workout with a, a, a thought to ponder upon, you know, and when you get in those into the zone, um, you know, the zone where your, your thoughts just go blank and you're just experiencing the movement and you're feeling your heartbeat and you're, you're feeling the air go into your lungs and coming out of your lungs. And, um, and, and it's just that, that moment of Zen that, uh, that I, I crave. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, that, that's what keeps me going. There were some, cause I traveled a lot in this second Ironman. There were some days where I had to do long runs and, I wasn't able to do them on the roads. Like I remember I was in Vegas for uh, a meeting and there's no way I can run 17 miles on the Vegas strip at a tempo pace, the pace I'm supposed to be running at for race. So I did it on a treadmill and I mean, it was a mental exercise more than anything to be on a treadmill for three hours at a nine minute pace. Um, you know, what do you think about and what do you, you know, can't, you can't listen to music or anything, um, for podcasts on the, the race day. So I have to train to not train myself to, to do it without, and it's just me, the clock in front of me and that stupid <laughs> treadmill, uh, you know, deck that, you know, um, it's, it's takes a lot of mental fortitude, but yeah. so does recovery, you know, right. I mean, so does recovery. Right. It, it, this stuff isn't easy, and but we've we've been training our whole lives for that. If we overcome our addictions, um, you know, they say we have no willpower. Oh no, we've got willpower. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. got big time willpower. Yeah. And just how do we use that willpower is, um, you know, the question. So, um, and and so I would do visualizations, you know, fantasies more so. You know, the last five miles of any run I did, I would imagine what those last five miles of the race was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when I turn on to the Queen K, what's the finish line going to be? You know, how am I going to, what am I going to be feeling? Not what am I going to be doing, but what, how am I going to be feeling as I cross that finish line, knowing I'll never be on, on, on that Hawaii Ironman again. <laughs> or if I do, it'll be really, really, really lucky because I'm not that fast. So, you know, 
Yeah, so it's a uh, it's it's a long answer to a a, a really good question. But yeah. um, I hope I, I uh, got that for you. How um, I I we we seek out people on the podcast that have full lives. How do you you know you're a father? You have a successful dentist practice. You know you train for triathlons. Like how how do you find time to do it all? Is there a secret to it? Is it just being engaged in whatever's in front of you? I mean, what is what is what is it for you that makes it doable to be so engaged in different areas of life? I, you know, I your Instagram's always so motivational. You're out doing exercise. You know, you're hanging with your kids. Like you're just you know, on our first podcast, you talked a bunch about your dentist practice and all the help you've done with meth mouth and stuff. Like, how do you find time to do all of that? Is there, do you have a, a balance that you strive for? Is it, you know, I ask everybody that because it's just like, I don't know how people do it. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of found a little bit of a balance, but it's, it, I'm always curious what other people are doing. Yeah, well, as, uh, as, as most of us, we're, we're extremists, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, the big book says, I think it's page 124, it says many alcoholics are enthusiasts. We run to extremes. Mm -hmm. So I'm just following directions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. And so I, you know, balance is something I've never been able to um, really accomplish. Um, but I, I strive towards um, accomplishment in, um, you know, I, I call it four quadrants. There's a um, uh, philosophy where it talks about it to, to, to find true happiness. You balance love, worship, work, and play in a cross fashion. And so, you know, love and worship, you know, love, you know, who do I surround myself with? Who am I in relationships with? Um, you know, how much time am I spending in those, in that quadrant? Um, you know, spirit, you know, how am I doing with my program? What am I doing to enlarge my spirit to give me energy um, work? How much work am I putting in? Um, how much playing am I doing? If I'm playing all the time, my work is suffering and therefore my happiness suffers, my serenity suffers. So I try to, to look at those four quadrants and, and find time to uh, dedicate time to, to each of those quadrants to stay in that um, at balance. But it's never an easy thing. It's all by intention. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I get all sorts of really cool opportunities. And, you know, you, you guys called me and said, hey, you want to do another, another podcast? Absolutely, I want to do another podcast because it's so much fun. It yeah. grows my spirit. You know, it, that's why I do it. it. It keeps me on my path of serenity. It keeps me sober. If I can share what I experience and if one person can identify with what I'm sharing, then, you know, then I think my purpose has been fulfilled. Um, so it's a it, it, it's a delicate balance, um, but it's it's not, it's always um, you know, I'm always tethering one for another and I have to, to rebalance when I get out of, uh, my, my serenity. And when I'm, when I'm not in a good place, I have to look at it. What am I, where am I spending my time? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my intention. Yeah. That's huge. One thing we didn't get to ask you about the first time. I think I'm a little too close to my microphone. You're right. Uh, one thing we didn't get to ask you about was, um, your 12 step. We talked a lot about the steps, but I don't think we got a chance to ask you about your 12 step. And, uh, Kyle's question just got me thinking about it when we had our friend Ken, who's on the show that traveled a lot for his work. You know, I was asking him what it's like, you know, taking other men through the work and being available to sponsor people, you know, traveling so much. And he said it was, 
He said it was difficult, you know, and added an element to it, but that he was still able to, you know, carry that out. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you've had the same challenges. I mean, obviously it's a little different now because we're in a virtual world and uh, it's a little bit harder to reach the new person. But uh, have you been able to still you know meet like what do you do when you have a sponsor do you guys meet regularly is it you know do you guys meet when you can does it matter based on you know if he's new or if he's been through the steps like what's your 12-step look like so uh it's a funny funny you asked that because yesterday i was supposed to meet with one of my sponsees and i totally screwed up and <laughs> forgot <laughs> and yeah. he's texting me he's like hey are we meeting and i uh, i was out on a run you know, I got back from my run. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I attend probably three or four meetings a week. And um, and I sponsor two men. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is it's his first time through the work. And but he's three years sober. And uh, the other one is his second time through the work. And he's also in a three to four year um, I'm sorry, two, two to three year range. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, three to four year. And, um, and so I, I used to sponsor tons of guys and but then I was like, wait, I'm, it's taking away from all my other quadrants. Yeah. And so yeah, I, yeah. I really limit it, um, to a couple that I can, um, you know, be there and be present for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really important to me. Um, because they're not newcomers, I don't have them call me every day. Right. Uh, I, I, even if, but I, I want them to check in with me regularly, and they, they do pretty well with that. Um, and it, they can check in with me and just text me or leave me a message what what's going on. Um, but if they need to talk, just text me. I need to talk, and I will drop everything and, and try and get to them as quickly as possible. Um, but uh, what we do, we. I'm very organic with my the way I sponsor people because everybody captures the program in a different way that works for them. And my uh, my in our initial meeting, I kind of go over this with them and say, you know, this is um, your journey. I'm here to as a guide, mm-hmm. and my my guidance is hopefully in the goal of you finding a higher power that will help you stay sober and live your best life. Yeah. I am not your higher power. Right. I will not. Yeah help you stay sober i will not help you live your best life but if you do this work all those things will happen but if you're going to rely on me you're going to be disappointed because i'm human and if you rely on anything human at some point you're going to be disappointed Um, and so we'll always do a a check-in at the beginning of our meetings and we try to meet once a week and um whatever's going on in their lives um can i you know just offer program advice uh, based on that. And um, many times we never even get to the book yeah. uh, because there's so much going on in their lives. And, and so, but I try and steer back to the book and we read the book word for word from the inside cover to the end of Dr. Bob's story. I like Dr. Bob's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only fair. He was the other co-founder. Usually right. both. Right. Um, yeah. Plus I'm a doc- plus I'm a doctor. So I, I feel uh, a kindred to Dr. Bob. Um, <laughs> Um, so, but we read that and, um, whenever we get to a step, we stop reading and we work that step. Mm -hmm. And so one of them is, uh, we're reading, uh, working with others right now. And the other one is in his fifth step. Mm. And it's just so awesome to get to read it and experience their growth 
through my eyes unattached to the things they're attached to and, and just watch them you know, overcome the challenges in their lives, just like I had to overcome the challenges in my life. Um, so we go through that, and when we're done with the book, we will read the 12 steps, 12 traditions. We'll do the 12 traditions uh, in the book, and then we will go back to the 12 steps again in the 12 and 12. Hmm. And um, so that that's what I do. It takes about 18 months usually, yeah. but being that I've been traveling so much and um, we're very organic, like I said, so a lot of times we never get to the book. It's going about a couple of years now to get through to these steps, but we meet regularly and uh, it's quite a gift to, to be able to sponsor people and, and watch them grow. Um, so it's just quite a gift. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so. one thing that I've found so much more success with is being more organic. When I was originally taking people through the work, I can look back on my own experience and realize I was pretty rigid and like, oh, we do it this way and it's at this time and we got to be through this at this meeting. And um, I mean, a couple of those guys are still sober and stuff. But what I've found is, like you said, it isn't my job to pull them through their journey, you know, and that's such good insight for, that you were talking about is like, I've got a guy right now who, you know, we're, we're outlining inventory through zoom meetings you know and on the phone yeah. it's like you know it's like we got to be and i would have never been you know it's like we're just more free-flowing the inventory's taken longer than i would have thought but it's like it's it's just what it, it is what it is you know and it's okay and and the guy's still sober he's still participating he's still reaching out and it's like the, there's so much freedom for for both of us to experience that me and and him going through that that like i'm not kicking him in the teeth why aren't you done when are you going to be done you know it's like this is your deal man and we'll go at the pace you're ready to go at and i found so much more um success and freedom from that so i, I love that you're talking about that because i've i don't know if you have always been that way but for me it's been a learning curve to kind of grow into that like i don't i don't really have any control over it but i for a while i thought i did you know so right it's all this big illusion yeah um, exactly <laughs> You know, just, I guess, with time and experience, um, you know, I've been sober for 22 years and, you know, I get to see a lot. I've seen a lot over the years, sponsored, you know, probably well over 100 guys and only a very few of them have stayed sober. Um, but I have. I've stayed sober. Mm -hmm. And, whoever, you know, and hopefully the people that have crossed paths with me have been their lives have been improved or I planted seeds. Um, many have died. I hate to say that mm -hmm. um, because that's where our disease takes us. And I am fully, that's fully on my mind every single day that if I don't do this, it's not going to be a long life for me. Um, but, you know, everyone hears things differently and, and everyone experiences things differently. And it's not, uh, I can't want it more for them than they want it for them. Mm -hmm. So I won't chase them. Um, but if they want it and they're willing to go for it, they're going to, they're going to show that. And, and luckily, uh, I mean, there's two sponsors that I have right now, Eric and Rob are just, I mean, they have done so much for me in my recovery mm -hmm. and they don't believe it, but man, every day I, I look forward to, uh, you know, getting together with them, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, every week I look forward to getting together with them or hearing from them. And because my program grows as, as I'm teaching, you know, and sharing my experience. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quite a gift. And I do it now through zoom, you know, we're in a, a strange time. And I think the zoom 
meetings that we're all attending. I don't know if you guys are doing a lot of Zoom meetings now, but no in-person meetings. But I think, you know, connecting with people from my past, I attended a, a meeting with my first sponsor in Michigan, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And that doesn't get to happen very yeah, often. Right. So it's just, you know, silver linings of, of the, the state of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. but it's... Uh, you know, and I, I incorporate other things in the sponsorship too. And um, you know, I, I'm an Al-Anon, so uh, there's a lot of Al-Anon lessons that I, I impart because if we're doing the work, we're surrounded by alcoholics and addicts, and yeah. that's what they. And, and not all of us play very well in the sandbox, and so that's where Al-Anon teaches us how to how to have better relationships and how to deal better with um, emotional sobriety, wow. um, which is really important. So. Yeah. I think, uh, honestly, I think I was talking to our buddy Jeff that uh, that we've had on the podcast a few times and that's our, our friend of ours about I, I probably undervalued meetings pri- prior to the pandemic. Um, I think I've been, um, you know, it's been no secret that the meetings are, are my least favorite part of the 12-step program. I, I, liked, I, like to, I like to meet one-on-one with other alcoholics or other addicts, and I like to take them through the work, you know, and I like to have, you know, side conversations with Kyle, and we talk about our experiences with God or meditation and, and those kinds of things and those kind of deep dives. And, um, you know, meetings, they just get, they, they, they're so easy to get sidetracked, and, 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 and it's just not my favorite part. I don't want to rag on them. But then all of a sudden I hadn't been to a meeting and, you know, three weeks since the pandemic started and I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, I realized that I had needed, uh, some connection and I need to be around my people and I need to be around other alcoholics and I need to be around people that think like I do and, and do the things I do. And I'd been on the phone with my sponsor and I was like, it's so weird, man. I, I'm, I, I have more time. I, I should be doing all of this stuff around my house yet. I'm doing none of it. It's mm-hmm. just the craziest thing. And he's like, yeah, I've got about 14 things I need to do and I haven't done one of them either. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm not the only one. And I was like, Oh, there is value in meetings. And I, and there is that connection and understanding and people talking about thinking the way I think and doing the things I do. And so then actually, actually been, you know, hit, hit a, hit, hit a big book study in Washington the other night. And so <laughs> it was just, it was enjoyable to hear other recovered people talk about, you know, we were the eighth, the eighth step was the topic. And, and so, uh, I've got it. It's weird. The things that we learn in these weird times, but I've got a new appreciation for meetings actually through uh, being starved of them. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's been pretty cool for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, when uh, early on, I don't know, eight or nine months sober, I, you know, was kind of getting sick of meetings. I was telling my sponsor, how long am I going to have to go to these goddamn meetings? And <laughs> he laughed at me. He's like, just till you want to go, then you won't feel like you got to go. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And then he said, but then he followed up with said, aren't you glad that I was there when you start, when you dragged your sorry ass in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because yeah. we're still like self centered. This meeting is all about me. You yeah. know, that that's how I felt. And, yeah. and he's like, No, you you go there and and you make sure that there there's a clear message for the newcomer or anyone that needs to hear it. Because you never know yeah. who's listening. You never know what they're gonna hear and you never know when their time is right to hear it. So that's yeah. why I used to go to meetings. And then so from a twelve step standpoint, you know, we share our experience, strength and hope so that others may 
um, may, may catch on. And going to meetings is not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Going to meetings is the fellowship right. of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's not the same. Right. And but but it's the hook in. Just like in the big book, there's all those stories at the end, um, at, at the back of the book that that they they talk about in the prefaces and the forewords about why they changed the meetings up so that people they could so people can identify with with you know that hey this person drank just like I did and this person used drugs just like I did maybe they got through it maybe if I uh, do what they did I'll get through it too so it's a way to provide for hope um, and so why do I go to meetings that's why yeah. to make sure that there's a clear message yeah. it's not about me and every once in a while I need a meeting for me too yeah. <laughs> because shit hits the fan and and I know that that's the only place in the world that they'll really understand and accept me and not judge me um for uh you know whatever and so it's it's a safe place and I want to make sure it's it remains a safe place. Another thing about meetings, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. No, you're fine. Um, but, you know, I just finished uh, um, a nine step with my sponsee about going to meetings, you know, and I, I consider it part of our amends. And he's like, why? Why do you consider that? Well, you know, everyone in our lives that we've are in relationships with that have stuck it out with us, they don't know about our recovery. They don't know what we're doing. It's an inside job. Mm-hmm. And so if, if my, you know, my, my people ask me, you know, how's your recovery? How are you doing? I'm like, oh, fine. You know, fine. So it doesn't <laughs> doesn't really share anything about how I'm really doing. So I gave everyone in my circle permission to ask me, you know, am I still going to those meetings? Is there anything? And on my birthday, I always call them and let them know I'm celebrating another year and thanking them for their support for another year. But I go to meetings now um, also as a way of amends because it's an action that people see that going to meetings and my recovery is still the most important thing in my life for me (laughs) because I'm physically taking the time away from, you know, them to go to a meeting. So, um, so that's, it's really important uh, as part of our amends because we, we're not very trustworthy based on, you know, all the lies we we told in our addiction to continue our addiction. So, and so actions will speak much louder than words about how we're doing with our recovery. So it's part of our amends. Yeah. as well uh so you've got a marathon plan tomorrow um are you training for anything in particular <laughs> just 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 a, just, <laughs> your, just a sunday marathon just a, yeah exactly <laughs> it's you... the, the 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 pandemic <laughs> the coronavirus marathon yeah. and and is it like a an actual one or are you doing it on your own i mean is that's what i just, yeah and yeah. how did that come about and are you train are you in the midst of training for another Ironman or something, or is it just, um, you, <laughs> you just doing what you do? I'm just doing it to do. Um, yeah, that's I, awesome. <laughs> I love it. This is my, uh, third marathon in the pandemic. Wow. Um, a friend of mine, Tyler, another program guy, um, was do- training for his first marathon and him and, 12 of us all got together because the marathon, his marathon got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so we did our own self-supported marathon. It ended up being about 28 miles, <laughs> uh, trail miles. And it was just such a blast to be with everybody. Um, and then on, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And so for my birthday, I did, I decided I wanted to do a, a 50, cause I turned 52. I wanted to run 52 miles 
in 5.2 mile segments. So every four hours I was going to run 5.2 miles. I saw that on your uh, Instagram. I was watching their (laughs) progress on it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I did it in four hour shifts and, uh, you know, it was, uh, just something to do to pass the weekend and, you know, stretch myself. And, uh, and so I did it in 10, 10 5.2 mile shifts and seven out of those 10 shifts i had people running with me that's so awesome you know it was so awesome people came uh you know i've uh, my, my best running friend and i did uh, a shift the midnight shift together which was awesome um and he and his wife and uh, another um uh, friend finished it with me and my son he also did a did the, did the finishing leg with me all my daughters and my wife did a segment with me somewhere on their bike some did it as a run um had so awesome. two friends uh that i go to meetings with also joined me for a couple of slots and it was just just a blast and everyone you know the community came in to support me and um and yeah it was hard but it wasn't the hardest thing in the world and, mm-hmm. um, i did a 20 mile run last week and i'm gonna do a, a, a marathon tomorrow if my hip feels good but um you know, whatever. I'm, I had big plans this year. I was going to do a, a really long run in the, in, in the fall. And uh, I was supposed to do a 100K race in Zion uh, last week. It was supposed to be last week. So 62-mile run mm-hmm. in Zion National Park. And um, so and I've got a couple half Ironman scheduled races scheduled and who knows if they're going to happen mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if anything's going to happen so i'm just yeah. doing things to push myself and but again it's it's i'm never really looking at the the finish time how quick i'm doing it i'm looking yeah but it doesn't define me mm-hmm. it's like today I, I got to ride for an hour and it was a blast and you know maybe i'll go running later if my hip feels better Tomorrow I'll, I'll push and see how far I can go. I'm doing at least 10 miles with one of my running buddies from the neighborhood who helped me out with the uh, with the, the 52 run mile run, and he's you know program guys. So we have a couple hour meetings, and um, so it's just you know just a way to experience life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing I had to focus on is like not being so result oriented. I did that second sprint try in Longmont at the end of the year, and that's the one where I had to do the open water swim. And I didn't do any practice for any open water swimming, so I, I zigzag all over the course. I probably added 250 meters onto my swim, but I was finished in the bottom third of my age group, and I was just so dejected and disappointed, and I wanted to quit. And I was like, "What kind of? You can't, you can't do that, man. You're on this podcast talking about spiritual principle living, and you didn't." Finish where you wanted and now you're gonna not do anymore yeah that's not gonna work right. but so i wanted to ask you uh for some advice because kyle and i set out to do our first marathon in september and then uh it's already been canceled and so i was like oh cool i'm off the hook and i sent kyle and i was like it's canceled man and he's like no i'm still doing it and i was like damn it no i have to still do it so we're gonna do this Pure one pressure. Yeah, Pure pressure. yeah yeah so Gets we're gonna, you again. We're, we're gonna do this one unsupported, and I guess that's what I'm afraid of. I think I think there's a park, you know, right down the street from my house with restrooms, and I can we could probably just do a 13.1 mile loop, and then make that the halfway point and have restrooms and water and stuff there. But uh, yeah, my biggest concern about it is, you know, what if what happens if I get out, you know, 
18 miles in and you know nature calls and you know we're running on the side of a major road like uh, i don't know you you, you you but you're planning on running a, a marathon tomorrow unsupported so it's not that big a deal right we'll be okay it's just you know it's just a long day and you yeah. know you... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's why you that's why you wear socks if yeah. you you know have to pull over into a ditch, you know, you yeah. dump your socks and use yeah. them for new new things. And, um, uh, but no, it uh, I carry stuff with me. I have a, a, a pack, a hydration pack that is about three liters. Okay. And um and I can carry food um with me in the pack and I'll refill um, you know, halfway through with the water and whatever you know mm-hmm. so so that's how um, much you go through five five six liters of water during a marathon usually it depends on the depends on the weather yeah, yeah. um but i know i do about a, i drink about a liter an hour when okay. i'm doing the long runs and i'm not running fast per se so there's some walking involved and um just to make sure because in a marathon i don't know um i consider the 20 mile mark the halfway mark of a marathon oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good to know oh yeah <laughs> those last six miles are, are really where the rubber hits the road and where you really got to start asking yourself some questions um that's but so as long as you keep moving forward you'll always get to the finish yeah. right yep. yeah so <laughs> yeah i did a half marathon uh, about a month ago and I noticed like mile 10 to 12 was probably the hardest two miles I've ever ran in my entire life. And then the last one, it was like, oh, I'm good. I'm through that. But I can only imagine on a full one, those last few miles have got to be just the an absolute bear. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So um, we're about an hour in. Do you have any other questions, oh, wow. Aaron? I'm sure you do. Um, I could ask exercise <laughs> questions all day long. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to know how much, because like I said, pool swimming, you just stare down at the line and you hit your turns and you're good to go. And I can do that all day long. And then I got out there. Oh, boy. And that day, it was like 50 degrees outside. It was so oh. cold. And so like as soon as I hit the water, my pectoral muscles started. I could almost wanting to cramp up, you know, and I'm trying to stretch out and take long strokes and then my watch got caught on the guy's wetsuit next to me and he's all pissed <laughs> off and i'm like i don't know man sorry dude i don't know what to tell you we're stacked on top of each other you know and so and funny. so yeah and so then i'm trying to swim it out and i thought i did all right and then i got done with the race and i looked at my i looked at my uh, map of my swim and i was absolutely all over the place and swam almost to the inside of one buoy and then had to go swing back out and so i was just wondering like do you just practice in lakes down there do you just set up buoys how how the hell do you practice that because i again i swam in high school and it's not the same it's not even the it was it was i don't want to say it's not the same but it was definitely different yeah it's a it's a definitely a, a different animal and you know, there are lakes set up for open water swimming in Denver, Boulder. I'm not sure if there's any in Longmont, but you know, this summer if everything opens up, we'll we'll go for some swims together and okay. I'll take you and show you what I do. Okay. Um, but it, it's a different technique than swimming in the pool. Um, I would swim open water all day long. That's one of my favorite things to do, and I can't say that was always the case. Hmm. Um, but in the race, and especially in the Ironman, I just get in such a, a meditation about it and. Um, you're, 
and, and I know as, I've, as I'm finishing it, it's almost it's exciting to get out of the water, but it's almost depressing too because I know this is the best I'm going to feel all day long. Now it's not ever going to feel this again. <laughs> <That's> so, <funny. laughs> so um, but you you learn to love it, and it's it's such a great workout. Um, and but I I, I have a tr- I have trouble going in the pool. That's that's where. You know, you want to look at weaknesses. For me, my brain says, why do I have to do this? Because there's no variation whatsoever. It's just go back and forth, <laughs> back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so my coach is really good about mixing it up and making it into, you know, breaking it into small, smaller pieces that um, are digestible as opposed to looking at I'm going to be swimming 3,200 meters and it's not, you know, I'm like, this is just going to be a long day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, but, it, but he mixes it up for me. So, okay, I can break it up into these sets. And then, you know, eventually you put one foot in front of the other and eventually you finish. Um, but, but I'll tell you, I know we're getting close to the end, but you know, the racing, it's such a metaphor for recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put the work in, you'll have a good day come race day. Um, in recovery, if you put the work in, you'll have a good day every day. Um, even when it's not good, it's still, it's still good. So, um, you know, and it's anything that is possible is such a, a great uh, mantra that, that is such a metaphor for recovery um, that, you know, whatever we focus on will grow. And if we, you know, and wherever we want to put our efforts, um, that's where we're, we're going to be be growing towards. So we can do it positively, we can do it negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, the the best thing that's ever going to happen to them is they they got sober, and I'm really happy for them for that. But me, I wanted it to be um, when I when I finally did get sober and the pain stopped. I'm like, hey, I've got this whole life ahead of me, and I can make the best of it. And so I use it as a springboard, um, and not to forget about the foundation of everything which is my recovery mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's the it is the foundation and i have to use those tools in every experience of my life including the athletics including my job as a dentist including my family stuff and my relationships and 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 the different projects i'm in so it, it's everything for me Absolutely. and uh and that's what i can't emphasize enough so yeah. you are just the the perfect guest for what the message we want to carry is, is that, is that like getting sober is great, but there's also an entire life to live and, and the narrative isn't always that. And so we're always seeking people that, that are challenging the, the common narrative of recovery sucks or is recovery so hard. It's like recovery is hard, but like it is a springboard for the rest of, of our lives. And I, you're just a, the ideal guest for, for that message. So thank you so much for yeah. coming on again. I love having you. We'll probably get you on again in the future again, just cause you're such a great time to talk to and so much life experience. So I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your Saturday to be on here with us. So. Well, thanks for having me and I uh, love what you guys are doing. Um, it's so great to get the message out there and um, everyone's got a, a different story and a different experience and you guys really do a great job illustrating that. And so I'm very appreciative of, of that. And hopefully that, like I said before, that if, if anyone is, is listening, hopefully they got something out of this talk, this hour that we spent together that resonates with them. And uh, please, you know, publish out my my contact information if anyone wants to talk i'm happy to talk to them and um you know share more yeah yeah so thank you i i just wanted to say thanks again too like you know if if people have just listened and this is the first time 
they've listened to our podcast and they're wondering about why we're talking about exercise and we barely got into the steps. We, you know, we talked a little bit about the 12th step and, but, um, you know, I was sober for almost three years at one point and, um, was 40 pounds overweight and smoked a lot of cigarettes. And, um, I just wasn't getting all that life has to offer. And this time around, you know, exercise has been an integral part to, again, leading that whole life, leading that full life. It's been, um, that thing that allows me to have the energy to do that. And so, um, we can sit here and Kyle and I can talk about the steps all day long, you know, and, 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 and we can talk about the book all day long, but, you know, um, to talk about the rest of life and, and what that's given us going through the work has given us and, and being able to do this and share this. And, and just for me personally, um, going down this journey and not knowing what it looks like, I sort of always want the answer and I want to know what it looks like. And, you know, I really needed to go have that experience, but if there's something that I can look to, to see like, okay, this is the, this is the possibility. This is where I can, this is where I can get to someday. It's, you know, seeing that and seeing the work that you put in. So, Again, just thanks for being on. We give us your uh, we give us your uh, uh, Instagram handle real quick. We'll... Sure, B I K O D D S B I K O D D S on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, and your page is awesome, by the way. You're always you got cool pictures. You're always in the mountains, trail running and stuff. It's really a, a cool follow. So yeah, um, thanks. And then we'll we're gonna end this, and then we'll get all of your uh, information for your blog and stuff, so we can put it on there. So thanks again. Thank you, everybody.